I'm Brian Scordato, and this is the Idea to Start a Podcast brought to you by Tacklebox. We accelerate ideas into real companies through the Tacklebox membership, and we think through startup strategy every Wednesday on the Idea to Start Up Podcast. You're here because you're thinking about an idea, or you're ready to launch something, or you already launched something and you're running full steam ahead. We're here to help with the counterintuitive stuff. On to it. Today's pod is about one of my favorite pastimes in life, finding something that most people take for granted and then taking that thing ridiculously seriously. Basically, everything that's ever worked out for me in my life has followed that blueprint. Find something people overlook that's actually important or seems like it might be, and then at least run a thought exercise to understand the potential of that thing. There are two tricks to this, of course. First, you got to find the thing that people miss that matters. And second, you've got to commit to it. My wife and I have been absolutely plowing through the Great British Bake Off because every night starting at around 6 p.m., the little man turns into a fire-breathing gremlin and, apparently, watching British people make intricate tea cakes and repeatedly say biscuits and avocado a lot calms him down. I can't do the accent, but you get it. We talked about the shusher a few episodes back, the device that just plays a shushing sound over and over and magically puts our kid to sleep. I might have to make a version that's just the main judge from the British Bake Off with the unsettlingly blue eyes saying, it's a good sponge then, isn't it? Over and over. Anyway, the guy that won this season we just watched talked about flour to an almost comical degree. Every dish he made, he'd stress over the exact consistency of the flour he needed to end up with the right moistness or char or crisp or flake. When he didn't get to bring his own ingredients, he'd agonize over the fact that he didn't have hand-ground flour at a certain consistency from a certain region. Once unprompted, he just looked at the camera and repeated, everyone overlooks flour, everyone, but nothing is more important. At its core, this is my job and it's your job. Finding the flour, the first principle that's been overlooked. I've got endless business examples of this, but the one that's my favorite is definitely Calendly, the tool that helps you schedule meetings. The founder recognized all the time he'd wasted on email going back and forth, figuring out when a meeting could take place. So he built a company to focus on that moment, the moment schedules needed to be synced to find an open time. He's built a business around that moment that's now valued around $3 billion. I once saw an interview with him where the interviewer asked what was next now that they'd solved meeting scheduling. Would it be a full calendar app, a chat app, maybe AI to suggest people to meet with? The founder laughed and replied, the moment when you need to schedule a meeting is endlessly complex. We'll be solving this problem forever. We'll never expand past it because we'll never be done with it. See the thing people miss and spend an unreasonable amount of time and effort on it. There are few better recipes. Today's episode is going to feel like some of our earliest episodes. It'll be a bit shorter and on one thought, but length is not a reflection of importance here. I reached out to our alums about a month ago asking about the most important learnings from Tacklebox, the stuff that made the most difference. I got a few answers that surprised me. There's a lot of stuff on customer interviews and problems and opportunities and rivers and dams, but one other thing came up over and over. Script the beginning and script the end. So, Let's talk about that. And to do it, we'll have to hop in a time machine back to 2002. And that time machine will take off after a little smooth jazz. If you've got a startup idea and a full-time job and want to test out the former before you leave the latter, come and work with us. Apply at gettacklebox.com. 
Over 400 startups have tested and built ideas through our program, and those businesses are now collectively worth over a billion dollars. Our program helps you prioritize and execute, and our members and me and the team keep you accountable and give you feedback along the way. Come build with us at GetTackleBox.com. Back to it. Script the beginning, script the end. The year was 2002. I was a freshman at Union College about to start my college basketball career. The number one song was Complicated by Avril Lavigne, which I tell you because it holds up and you should listen to it, but also because the number one song was not Tina Turner. That'll become relevant shortly. Anyway, the basketball preseason began basically the minute we arrived on campus, and it was grueling. Two and a half to three hour practices with sprints and drills and plays I needed to learn and players I was competing with for time who very much did not want a freshman competing with them for time. The whole thing was mentally and physically exhausting. I'd never been in a situation like this before. Everything was new. The level of play, the stakes, not having my parents around, not having my friends around. But I quickly learned the routine. Players would get to the facility 60 to 90 minutes before practice started. You'd get changed, get any treatment you needed from the trainers, then head up to the court to stretch and shoot around. The clock on the court would count down to the minute practice started. When there was one minute left, we'd gather at center court. Our coach would walk into the middle and read us the practice plan. Every second would be planned out, down to the two-minute water breaks. The meat of the practice, the drills, preparation for an upcoming opponent, that stuff changed constantly. But the first seven minutes and the last seven minutes of practice never did. After reading the plan for the day, our coach would repeat the same quote. It was Tina Turner, and no one knew why. Quote, simply the best, better than all the rest. Then he'd say, two minutes on the clock, get yourselves ready. For two minutes, there was dead silence. On the first day of practice each year, we were taught how to set intentions in a two-minute breathing exercise. We each did that to start every practice. After those two minutes were up, five minutes were put on the clock for basic drills we did in pairs. The same drills every day, the same pairs every day. By the end, we were all sweating and breathing hard, ready for what was next. Then practice started. The last seven minutes were the reverse of the first seven. Drills and then reflection to put the practice behind you, good or bad. Finally, we would gather at center court and my coach would repeat, simply the best, better than all the rest. I asked my coach about this years later. The meat of the practice is really hard, he'd said both physically and emotionally. Players who'd spent their whole lives playing to get to this point might realize mid-practice that they weren't on the first team anymore because a freshman was better, effectively ending their careers. If I thought conditioning was bad, the team might be running sprints for 90 minutes until everyone puked. When something is really hard, you need to have a clear beginning and a clear end to it. It's untenable to have hard things that aren't boxed in. That is how people get overwhelmed and shut down. If people know there's a clear end, they can do anything. A routine to prep your body and mind to do something hard, then a routine to tell your body and mind it's over, is critical. Lots of the founders we work with are working on businesses in the margins. The type of work that they're doing is completely foreign to them. The stakes are different. The opportunity cost and the sunk costs and all the other mental booby traps are bubbling beneath the surface, as are the echoes of friends and family questioning or hinting at the absurdity of the idea of starting a business. So we help them script the beginning and end of each work session, a way to separate the rest of your life from the time you're about to spend working. It's unfathomably helpful and gets better with time. Here's what it might look like for a 90 minute session before your day job on a Tuesday morning. The first two minutes start with intention setting. 
two minutes of you recognizing that the next 90 minutes are going to be uncomfortable, proactive work, but that that's okay. It'll be over in 90 minutes. Then a minute long breathing exercise, maybe alternating nostrils. I'll link to it in the show notes. Next, you write out the one thing you're absolutely going to get done and put it on a post-it on your monitor. If you get that done, the 90 minutes were a wild success. Finally, you hit play on the same album. I have an album from Junior Junior that I've played every hard session I've worked since 2014. Happy to put it in the show notes if it's helpful for you. And then you go. You attack the thing on the post-it and you do nothing else. Scripting the ending is just as important. First, it's critical to know exactly when you'll end and stick to it especially if you're doing something uncomfortable and proactive. Your body and mind can't work if you're doing something hard for an unspecified amount of time. Imagine hopping on a treadmill and sprinting for, quote, either 20 minutes or four hours. Second, build a shutdown sequence. Maybe two minutes reflecting on what you got done. Note the things that held you up, but don't be judgmental. Just be an impartial observer. Think about how to fix them for the next time. Then maybe five deep breaths and a post-it with what the most important, uncomfortable thing you've got to do for your next session is. Startups are a marathon made up of little sprints, and most of those sprints won't be world-changing. They just need to happen consistently, and they need to be focused. They'll compound eventually. The script helps make sure they do. The beauty of the script is it's completely up to you to build. Whatever it is that helps you get yourself ready to do uncomfortable stuff routinely, It'll be like breaking in a new pair of sneakers at first, but once you do it a lot, your brain will take over. If you send it cues to be calm and nimble and flexible because you're about to do hard work that'll need it, your brain will respond. Notice how you feel in certain moments. Notice what you need, then build scripts to support that. If you're anxious that you're wasting your time, that maybe this isn't going to work, that maybe you should just focus on your day job, remind yourself why you're working on this. Maybe it's a regret minimization exercise. Here's one an alum sent me that she repeats before every hard session. She says, quote, when I'm 80, I will be furious with myself if I didn't give this a real shot. I only get one life. Do the stuff other people won't do to get to the places other people don't get. If you've got imposter syndrome, remind yourself that everyone who's done anything worthwhile was once exactly where you are today. And the way that they got there wasn't by telling themselves that they couldn't. If you're the type of person that switches lines at the grocery store seven times before reaching the cashier, remind yourself to focus, call out that trait, say that you can jump lines in an hour, but not during this time. If you worry about what other people are going to think of you, remind yourself that no one ever does. We are all Harry Potter, the stars of our own movies, and to everyone else you are, at best, like Luna Lovegood. I still remember the stark difference between how I felt before and after the first drills each practice. I started them with a pit in my stomach. I ended them excited, ready to play, and my brain continued to make that happen. We do something at Tacklebox called the Uncomfortable Hour each Monday at 7. People show up on Zoom and they're ready with the thing that they've been avoiding, the thing they know that matters but they can't bring themselves to do. We all announce what it is that will get done, then we go to work. The camera stays on, but we all stay on mute. At the end of the hour, we go over what we finished. People consistently tell me that they get more done during that hour than any other hour of the week. That is on purpose. Scripting this stuff, taking the beginning and end seriously, building a system that'll get you in the mode to do the uncomfortable stuff is critical and totally an option and totally open to you. It's a little weird, but so are most useful things. If being around people helps, make sure you're around people. If accountability matters, maybe your beginning script includes a text you send to a friend of what you're going to get done, and the wind down is texting them whether you did it or not. 
Once you start to get your routine down, you can habit stack, adding new things on the margins. Maybe for your wind down routine, you always think of five things you can do over the next 24 hours in the margins to chase an opportunity. Maybe you end with 15 air squats or a multivitamin or a gratitude sequence. I end each hard session with two new ideas for my podcasts. This is where most of the ideas come from. I've always felt that most people get about 85% of the way there for most interesting things in life. They get close, but they never get to quite where they could be. My wife and I went to Nova Scotia for a baby moon, and for those that have never tried to get there, it is no easy feat. We had to drive to Maine, then take a ferry, then drive a whole bunch more. We ended up going all the way to the northern tip to an unbelievable place called Cape Breton. One of the first things they mentioned to us when we got there was to keep our eyes out for moose. Not as like a, oh, it'll be cool, you'll see a moose, but as a, they're huge and really actually kind of dangerous and they're everywhere. They have too many moose. Their wildlife is doing too well. That is how you know how far away from civilization it is. Anyway, we went on hike after hike in the national forest with some of the most incredible views you could ever imagine. We saw a moose and a whale on the same hike. Most of these hikes have a parking lot and then a viewing area maybe a quarter of a mile from the parking lot. Then they'd have 10 or 15 or 20 miles of trail after that. We'd get to the first viewing area and it would be jam-packed. People craning to take selfies with no one in the background. People with accents from all over the world. Then we'd hike about 400 yards down the trail and be completely alone. We wouldn't see another person the rest of the hike with vistas way better than the first viewing area. How do you travel so far? Get yourself to Cape Breton and then stop at the first viewing area. It's not even 85% of the way there. These people were 99% of the way there. Building out your internal systems, specifically with a tactic like scripting the beginning and the end, and broadly with intention to keep you on the track of doing hard things is so important because it'll help and because other people don't do it. There's delta there if you're willing to take it. Don't get 85% of the way there and stop. Script the beginning, script the end. And that's a good sponge there, isn't it? This was the idea to start a podcast. If you've got a startup idea and a full-time job, join us. It's a monthly membership program that'll help you build your startup the right way. Apply at gettacklebox.com and we can be working together in 72 hours. Have a great week.